Well, let's go to James. We're going to come back to 1 Corinthians, but we're going to look at James here. Today I'm going to try to talk about understanding about where does the knowledge of God go when he talks to you. It's interesting that Jesus tells his disciples that I had, to, I had to speak to you in figurative language, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll speak to you plainly about the Father. And he says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance that, what, that which I taught to you. That even the disciples couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about until after they were born again. And that means that if you don't have the capacity to understand Jesus when he's standing right in front of you. We know that God doesn't change. The Holy Spirit doesn't change. He's always been the same. We know the Father doesn't change ever. So what changed was they became born again. Jesus was glorified. And once they became born again, the Holy Spirit could teach them what Jesus was trying to tell them the whole time. Now, since you've been born again, something changed in you. And, and thank God for the, the message of the, the born-again trail. It's like a, to me, that's like a miracle message. It's a, amazing that it ever came to this earth, the understanding of the born-again nature. You know you received that new nature. So what happened to you once you were born again? Most of us started off in church or a church that just said, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't get saved. So that's the only reason we got saved. And for some people, I know I had an experience when I was, when I accepted Christ, I felt something happened in me. But some people don't feel anything. But we know, so something happened. Did you just sign your name onto a, a chart that said, I'm coming to heaven? And uh, put my name, leave me a spot there, God, and make me a mansion, start building my mansion now? Or did you receive a new nature? That new nature came from your old nature. It was quickened. So God took the old nature of sin and quickened it to a nature of righteousness. That old nature of darkness was quickened to a nature of light. That the same way he spoke light out of the, in the universe when there was only darkness, he spoke light into your spirit, your new nature, and it became light. Uh, Pastor Dave would say it this way, that uh, the new nature is to your spirit uh, what the candle is to a dark room. That the new nature that you received also brought to life your inner man. Your inner man, your inner body was brought to life by the new nature. And I know I'm doing kind of a passing review here, but so now I have a inner man that was brought to life by the new nature and is, is made as righteous and holy as my new nature, which is from Jesus, has the image of Jesus in it. So my inner man is now righteous and holy, as righteous as Jesus himself. Don't freak out when we preach like that, that you should be as holy as Jesus. Because Adam was made in the image of God, the nature you received came from Jesus. 
So why would you expect anything less? <laughs> well, that new nature is that we now know as the conscience, where you feel convicted. The new nature is a nature. It tells you how to be a child of God. It doesn't tell you how not to be a child of the world. It just tells you how to be a child of God. So when you know my dog is running around, it doesn't look at a tree and say, um, I'm not a cat. It looks at a tree and says, I'm a dog. <laughs> and, and that's the same as your new nature. Your new nature doesn't tell you how not to live. It doesn't go and convict you like, that's not good. That's not the new nature. The new nature tells you, what are you doing? That's not who we are. That's the conviction of the new nature. It tells you who you are. It doesn't tell you who you're not. If God convicts you of something, maybe uh, this Thanksgiving, you're not allowed to have pumpkin pie. And with the whipped cream on top, the good pumpkin pie. Chrissy makes the best pumpkin pie. Well, maybe, maybe God will convict me not to eat pumpkin pie, at least not to eat three pumpkin pies anyway. <laughs> but maybe he won't convict you. Or maybe he'll convict you, no pumpkin pie this season. I want you to fast pumpkin pie. That is an instruction by the Holy Spirit to you specifically. I know when Starbucks comes out with the pumpkin spice latte, people go crazy. So maybe you're addicted to that stuff. And the Holy Spirit says to you, no pumpkin pie. Well, that's a conviction that he can give you, but it doesn't mean you you can come and tell me, no pumpkin pie. <laughs> you know, no, that's your conviction. Thank you. But the new nature will not convict you of something different than it convicts me of because we have the same nature. So the same standards are expected by every believer because they have the same nature of Christ in them. Well, that new nature brought to life your inner body. The inner body is the spiritual side of you. You always had it, but it used to be dark, but now it's light. Just quickened, just like the new nature was. And eventually quickened like your outward body eventually will be. But now you're stuck with this battle between the inner man and the outward man. The outward man and the inner man are tied together um, at the mind. You have a spiritual mind. How many know when you're in heaven and your body's on this earth? You don't, you're, you know, we have a older gentleman passes away and, and his wife gets a phone call from the doctor and says, ma'am, ma'am, I'm, I have some really bad news. Well, what's worse than my husband passing away? Well, I'm doing the autopsy. I know you're a believer like me, so you believe he's in heaven. And I believe he's in heaven too, but I just, I'm doing the autopsy right now, and I just found out that his brain is still here. He did not take his brain with him. So I, I regret to tell you that your husband's in heaven, hallelujah, but he's brainless. He has no thoughts. He's standing there like a bump on the log, just standing there, because he left his brain here. We think that's funny because we know when we're in heaven, we're going to celebrate and talk. <laughs> you know, some of you have people you want to talk to. I want to talk to Paul. I want to talk to Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're not going to walk around like like a mannequin around heaven, moving around with no brain, no intellect. Well, how many know that, you know, the doctor could say, well, I don't know. 
I'm really a bit sad for you, ma'am, because his hands are here on the table. I see his hands. Well, they're not in. So how, I don't know how he's going to lift holy hands in heaven when his hands are here on this earth. See, we think that's silly to talk like that. But it's important you realize how silly that is. That in heaven, your hand, you'll be lifting holy hands and worshiping God in heaven. Well, what hands are you worshiping God with if your hands are here on this earth? What mind are you thinking of? What emotions are you feeling in heaven if your emotions are here on this earth? Your, your, your heart's here on this earth. What emotions are you have? Where does it come from? You were created... Man was created to live in both worlds at the same time, the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And they were connected perfectly together, your mind, your desires, and your emotions, what we would call the soul, mind, will, and emotions. I don't like will as much as desires, because you know you have desires, and the way what you do with those desires is your will. So I'm, gonna, I'm, try, I'm trying to change that to mind and desires and emotions. That I have desires for four pumpkin pies. Gary has desires for two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, that's the desires of our natural man. I willingly have to resist. I will, my will is to not to do the desires of my natural man. So I'm going to say instead of mind, will, and emotions, I'm going to describe the soul as mind, desires, and emotions. Am I doing okay so far? But see, you were created a, a creature by God designed, not you specifically. Man was created a creature by God to live in both worlds at the same time. So by design, Adam had a spiritual body and a natural body. He always had a spiritual brain and a natural brain. He always had his spiritual desires and natural desires. And he had a spiritual set of emotions and a natural set of emotions. And they clicked together in perfect unity, perfect righteousness, perfect light in the very image of God. And then Adam sinned. Dun, dun, dun. Adam sinned, and the nature, his nature, the, the image of God in him, turned from light to darkness. Well, that turned his whole being from light to darkness. In fact, that moment when the, the light went out, he died. Adam died, and that's the most horrible verse in the Bible, where God comes on the earth and says, Adam, where are you? Well, he wasn't playing hide and seek. Like, Adam, I can't see you. I don't know where you are. He's God. He knows exactly where Adam is. Why such a horrible verse is because he's saying, where'd you go? The Adam, my creation, in my perfect image, the seed of the human race, is gone. There's another creature here with the same name, the same person, but now it's not the same. The same. He's dark instead of light. So his whole being turned from light to darkness. And that's the condition you were born in. 
you're born into a species of death. Not death as in dead on a road, like an animal laying dead on the road, but dead, death, a species of darkness. There was no light in you. Your whole life, you imagine there's people on this earth, their whole life they'd never taste light. They never taste life. They don't taste it. All that they do is in the, from the world of darkness. All of the wisdom is from the world and realm of darkness. Not that it's evil, but it's dark. How many knows the big difference between dark and light? Everything a man could create in his world, every good work even, still is from the work of darkness. Every bit of wisdom, every bit of understanding comes from the realm of darkness because there's no light available. When you accepted Jesus and got born again, you received that new nature. Hallelujah. And that's when you went from being a creature of darkness to a creature of light. That moment was the first breath of love that you ever breathed. That was the first experience of light that you ever had. And that new nature is just a nature. It's the smallest part of you. It's a nature that will tell you how to be a child of God. But it won't convict you on eating too many pumpkin pies. The new nature, though, also brought to life your inner body. I won't go into the verses. I think I've hammered those lots the last few months. But you have the image of Christ in your new nature, like a seed. It's not instant. Man, uh, you won't believe my husband. He went to church. He was a, a wife beater, a jerk, mean, selfish. He got saved, and now he's Prince Charming. Instantly fixed. He doesn't burp anymore. He doesn't, he do, he doesn't uh, throw his socks by the hamper anymore. He puts them in the hamper. God cured my husband. Instantly. The, I mean, he's just like Jesus. And all you wives are like, what church should you go to? I'm going to go to that church. <laughs> and many of us were puzzled because I went to church and got saved, but, you know, pastor, I don't know, it's been six weeks, and I still have this and that and this desire and that desire. Maybe it didn't work. Maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe I need to say it again. There's some churches you've got to get saved every Sunday. So what part of you got saved? What happened when you got born again? Was it just signing your name to a, a club called Heaven? Or does something really change in you? Well, we know from the born-again trail that you receive the new nature. Pastor Dave said that that new nature is to your spirit what a candle is to a dark room. In other words, the new nature brought to light your spirit man, your inner man. It brought it to light. Now it is as righteous as the new nature. Well, what is in that inner man? Is it just a body, your fingers and toes? Well, the inner man is the spiritual side of your body. They're identical in the sense that you have in the spirit man a mind, a brain, made of spiritual material, an actual 
brain that you could hold. If we did a spiritual autopsy, we'd find a brain in there. And a spiritual set of emotions. Your soul is tied into both realms. Your mind is tied into the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And they fit, as Dave said, cell for cell, perfectly together. You have a spiritual set of emotions where you have love from this world and you got love from the spiritual world. You have joy from both realms. In this realm, the natural realm, your body, ha- your soul is tied in, has, is chemically based, chemically based emotions where it can produce chemicals. They say if you know that I saw an article said Netflix. If you want, it can produce dopamine. That's a, that's your your natural soul saying, I, "I like this," and releases a dopamine, and that's where we get the word "dope" from. It makes you feel good. That's where you go. Some people are dopamine eaters. Some people are dopamine Netflixers. Some people are dopamine frienders. That I need to feel good, so I go find the place that makes me feel good. For some people, it's hunting. For some people, it's shopping. For some people, it's eating. We all have our natural dope that we run to when we want to feel good. Don't judge each other too much because you got your own. Well, that's the natural soul rewarding you for doing something that it wants you to do. Purpose is the biggest dopamine rewarder to the natural man you want to feel purposeful you want to belong you want to be a part of something you don't want to just live this life and not do anything feeling purposeful to the outward soul part of your soul will reward you with a dopamine chemical emotions well your soul mind desires and emotions are tied into both worlds the spiritual body, and the natural body. The problem with you is that when you got born again, the spiritual side of your soul, I would say, mind, desires, and emotion, got born again. But the outward side of your soul, mind, desires, and emotion, was left in darkness, left to death. So now you have this Trench warfare <laughs> that, that goes on in your, your own world. You go to sleep with it. You wake up with it. No one, you, ever, you ever have people look at you and say, I'm so thankful for you. You just bring a joy. You just bring a strength. Or you, and you're looking at them thinking, who are you talking about? You're just always so faithful. You're the, well, I got you conned. <laughs> Because they don't know the warfare that goes inside of your own self. It's a trench warfare. That's because God had to leave you in that condition. You can ask him why. I I can't tell you why, but the job isn't done yet. The world, we're not standing on the new earth yet. Uh, The new universe isn't there yet. Uh, the trumpet hasn't sounded yet. We don't know why exactly it's not done. And why is there a thousand year reign? There's many legal reasons to the whole picture. But it's not finished yet. 
So the apology from God is, I'm sorry I had to leave you in this suffering. Well, what's the suffering? It's not sickness or disease. The suffering is the, the eternal battle you have between your natural part of your soul and the spiritual part of your soul. The natural part of your soul, mind, desires, and emotions, is from this natural body. We've got two little puppy dogs, and they fight like people. They're sneaky, they, they love each other, and they'll fight over food and, and try to kill each other for a moment, then they'll forgive each other. They're boys, so they fight and forgive real quick. And, and <laughs> I'll watch one dog sit on Christy's lap, and the other dog gets jealous. It's a true story. So the other dog will go over to the window in the living room, they, they know each other's bark. They, their bark means something different to them. So one time the dog will bark and the other dog will just go, oh, he's just barking at something I'm too comfortable. Then there's other barks when it recognizes a family or hears a car. Then they both run to the front door. They're excited. There's bark where it's like the mailman. That's the, let's kill him bark. <laughs> and so... There's different barks that the first dog does and the second dog responds differently to. And you'll watch the one dog go do a bark that signals the other dog to run to the front door. And while he's running to the front door, the first dog's running back to the, where Christy is to take his spot on her lap. There's things that dogs do that make you think, I know people just like you. <laughs> Because they have a soul. They have a chemically-based soul. And it's all chemicals. Imagine how, how amazing that is, that this is a little piece of meat. So they have emotions. They have a soul. You are wearing a natural soul. But what you need to understand is you have a spiritual part of your soul as well. They're tied together, cell for cell. They're, they're not intertwined, but one covers another. I'm still making sense. You can say amen. So what happened to you when you were born again? Your inner man was brought to life. It now is righteous. So the mind of the spirit, the, the spiritual mind, the one you walk around in heaven with, because the people after Jesus who, are, who died, they're in heaven today if they're born again. They're waiting for their new body. They have a mind, and emotions in heaven. Well, you, you have that with you right now. How many know in heaven you won't forget where your keys are at? You won't mean I not, not need keys, but for eternity you're not gonna, you won't forget things. In other words, you'll learn something new about God every single day for the rest of eternity. Every day for the rest of eternity you're going to do this. <gasps> what? Wow! Can you believe that? You're going to do that every day for the rest of eternity, learning something new about God. But because your spiritual mind is lit up by the new nature, you're going to remember it. You won't forget it. You will remember it. Because that's how knowledge is built. You go to one. That's why you couldn't go to, to grade six until you pass grade five. Because the knowledge in grade 6 was built on what you learned in grade 5. So you have that in you right now. A spiritual mind 
that has the capacity to understand and know God. That's why God can speak to you directly. Holy Spirit can speak to you spirit to spirit. I like to use an analogy of, you know, back in the day, we'd want to learn something. We'd have to go get a book at the library. I can see from the room here, most of you know what I'm talking about. That you go to the library and you have an index. Remember those index cards? You pull them out, you find the, the title, and then it'll tell you where in the library. I can't remember how it was, what's the name of it, how it was, the decimal system. Is that what it is? Dewey Decimal. Dewey Decimal. Thank you. Dewey Decimal, that's right. You'd find the book, and if you wanted the information in that book, you'd have to take a few hours or weeks and read it to get the information into your brain. You couldn't just tap it. You had to read it. You can, you can, you know, there's many books that I've got out of library, meaning to read but never read. It didn't help me. You had to read it to learn it. Well, your spiritual brain, now that it's alive, has the ability to hear from God. And the difference would be the way a computer can take a download of information where you could download the book into your computer, where instantly you have the whole book and all the information there. That's like your spiritual brain. That's how capable your spiritual brain is. That God himself can speak to you in his language and you can understand it. And you could hold on to that knowledge. You don't lose it. I'm going to start in James here. Chapter 3. Now your soul, mind, desires, and emotions. It is tied into both realms. Your inner body in your natural body. The same way my spiritual hand moves when I wiggle my fingers, my outward fingers move at the same time. They are directly tied in specifically cell for cell. They're not intertwined. It's more one on top of another, like a glove. Well, my spiritual soul is connected to my natural soul in the same way. Cell for cell. So my spiritual brain... Inside of my natural brain are that close. My spiritual emotions and my natural emotions, they're that close together as far as they're that personal. But one is left dead, dark, the outward man. The other, the inward man, is lit up by the new nature and is righteous and light. So they're opposing in everything. How opposite are they? Well, how opposite is light from darkness? That's how opposite your inner man is from your outward man. Darkness, I want us to realize, darkness does not mean evil. My little dogs, they will fight for each other. If you try to tease one, the other one comes up and and fights you. They're buddies. But at the same time, they will fight each other (laughs) if you throw a piece of food in between them. Or if you put Christy in between them, they'll fight for her too. See, both the love that they have and the meanness that they have, 
is all from the dog world, the natural world. And in Christian ease, we have taken the good emotions of the natural soul, love and joy and peace, and called them gods. These are good emotions. These are, but listen, they're still of the natural world. And as much as we have to get rid of the anger of the natural man, we must also get rid of the love of the natural man. The peace of the natural man. The peace of the natural man can mimic the peace of God. Let me ask you a question. Here's a scenario for you. Talking about peace. Someone comes up to you, the, the IRS. Dun, dun, dun. You get a letter. Dear person, you have until December 1st to give us $100 or we are going to come and possess your house. So that's, you got two weeks, 100 bucks. And all of us in the room say, okay, thank you, Lord, I have peace. I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. See, Christian ease is trying to talk yourself into the peace of God. I have the peace of God. So you have to bring yourself there. And that's faith. That is, that's the first step. But 100 bucks, I can believe for that. No problem. No, thank you, Lord. Not too bad. I can believe for 100 bucks. I'm sure I have enough quarters around the house and, you know, in the, in the car and in the, the sofa. Ava, give me your, where's your, where's your change at, Ava? 100 bucks, okay, two weeks. Then you get another letter. Our mistake, it's $1,000. Okay, I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. Hallelujah, I have the peace of God. Thank you, Lord. $1,000. And you think, what can I sell? You know, I got two weeks. I can probably come up with it if I sell something. And then you get a knock on the door. One of those, not, it's not this kind of knock. It's this kind of knock. Who opens the door nowadays? You know, we're like looking out the window. You open the door and there's a policeman and an IRS man. And they look you in the eye and say, it's come to our attention that you owe us a million dollars and you have two weeks or we're going to arrest you and we're going to confiscate your house, your car, and everything you have. Two weeks, here's your official notice, and we'll be back to arrest you. How much peace do you have then? See, your peace, even though you say it's the peace of God, all the devil has to do to remove it (laughs) is add more pressure. Your peace is good to a certain point, but I'll guarantee you there's a point where your natural peace even if you say it in the name of God, you confess to him, confess the word, confess the word. And see, I, I do that often because I don't have the fullness of God's peace in me. I have to bring myself to accept God's peace over, over circumstances. But let's say it's God. The IRS agent sends a letter to God. Dear Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> I need $100 in two weeks. How's God's peace? He's not moved. What's going to move God? Dear Jehovah, our mistake, $1,000. 
Jehovah, a million dollars by Friday, or we're going to pout. A billion dollars. What does God do? Does he shake in his boots? Does he have one moment of fear? Mom, one moment of question, second question, questioning everything, second guessing everything? Or is Jehovah Jireh, is Jehovah's peace always peace, no matter what the circumstance? See, the devil's not afraid of your peace in Jesus' name. Because he knows he just has to add a little pressure. He's not afraid of your holiness in Jesus' name. Because he knows that all he has to do is add a little extra temptation. He's not afraid of your strength, your natural willpower, your natural strength. But he's afraid of the love of Jesus showing up in your life. The peace of Jesus showing up in your life. Because he cannot stop that. But he can stop you. Even if you give God the glory, it's still you doing it in the name of God. This is where most of the church world, in my opinion, has been trapped. In this cycle of doing things in the name of God through their natural ability. Where the whole time they have an inner man that's hungering for God. Wanting more of God. Because that's where the love of God, the peace of God, the fruit of the Spirit comes forth. The knowledge of God is renewed in the inner man. When God speaks to you, he doesn't speak to your natural mind. Pastor Day is my, our, one of our favorite ones. The taxi TV show where they're saying to the druggy guy, he's sitting there and he looks over at his friends and says, what does the yellow light mean? You know, I took Harrison to get his driver's test and I, I remember that. And I, he, Harrison didn't look over to me to ask me. We were both too afraid to get caught. But he asked his friends, what does the yellow light mean? And they, what do they say? Slow down. And he said, what? He slowed down. And Pastor Dave would say, that's how God has to speak to the natural man. In their language, so they could understand, he has to speak real slow. The same way I would speak to my dog. I can speak to my dog, love, but we're two different species. Well, see, before you were saved, the day before you were saved, Were you a child of this world? A child of Adam? Yes, a child of darkness. So you were a different species than that of God. So God had to communicate to all men in their language, a different species, the same way I have to communicate to my dog. I can talk to my dog. I can share wisdom with my dog. I have to give it what it can understand. I never tried to give my dog... I pay for lessons on, for our kids. We paid in the years for piano lessons, for guitar lessons. We paid for drum lessons and bass lessons and all kinds of lessons. I'd be foolish to take my money and hire, hire a piano player and say, I want you to teach my kid how to play piano. And I show up with my dog. Here you go. What? Well, it's not really my kid, but he's kind of my kid. Will you teach him how to play the piano? You know, I charge this, this much an hour, right? Yeah, so you, uh, you, <laughs> I'm still getting my money. I'll, you know. But that would be foolish because a dog cannot comprehend that. It's a different species. You were a different species. But the moment you were born again, you became a child of God. 
All of you except your outward man. Your outward man was left to darkness, left in death. The outward part of your soul, mind, will, and emo- mind, desires, and emotions, was also left in darkness. Well, the inside, the spiritual side of your mind, desire, and emotions was lit up by righteousness and by light. So now you have an outward brain of this world, an outward soul, an outward mind, desires, and emotions that are chemically based. And you have a spiritual body that is alive and lit up by God that is capable of understanding, looking God face to face and hearing and knowing and understanding what he's saying. Everything you do, every, every situation, maybe you've had this happen to you. Well, I can guarantee you have. You have a circumstance and you hear God say, this is what I want you to do. But somewhere there's a voice that says, no, I don't like that. And then you have your natural soul go through a thousand scenarios looking for an answer in the natural. Usually it's a way of working it, sometimes it's manipulating it. But when you find an answer that works, it brings that to the table and says, we can just do this. We don't have to go through all that. And many of us have argued with God. Well, God, I can fix that in five seconds. Why are you not letting me fix it? See, your inner man understood what God said. Your outer man did not. Because it's a different species than God. That's why he's replacing it (laughs) at the trumpet. You get a new outward body. And what's going to happen is the outward body, the outward source of your insecurities, your fears, your fake love, the outward source of those chemical uh, emotions is going to be replaced with a new outward body. That'll be a, it'll be the same. It'll be made of a different material, but it'll be like this outward body. And that outward body will be clicked on to the inward body, and you'll be once again perfectly light. Every thought, every circumstance runs through your natural mind, your spiritual mind. In James chapter 3, I said all that just to be able to say, you have a spiritual mind right now that can hold the knowledge of God. And it can take it quick. You can down, God will download a revelation in you. In one second. And it'll take you two years to be able to explain it. <laughs> because you have to speak it through your natural mind. You have to make your natural mind accept it. That's why when you pray in tongues, you don't know what's going on. It's not like I learned it and I got it. I have to make my natural thinking submit to my spiritual thinking. James 3. Uh, we'll just start in verse 13. Chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. 
So I want you to see that there is a wisdom available to you that is earthly, sensual, demonic. There is wisdom on this earth to tell you how to be successful. There's a wisdom on this earth to tell you how to have a happy life, how to be good in this life. But it's from this earth. And embarrassingly, a lot of this wisdom has crept into the church and has become philosophy of how to be a Christian. How to dress your natural man up to act like a Christian. When really we're supposed to mortify it, we end up holding hands with our outward man. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there is a wisdom of this earth, but there's a wisdom from above. You have two containers right now for the wisdom. You have a natural brain, a natural man that can hold the wisdom of this earth. But your inner man is where the wisdom of God is held. That's why when you are born again now, you can know the things of God. I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians. Now, some of you might be saying to me, you know, I listen to the Born Again Trail. I know what you're talking about. This message is for people who may be starting out and don't know. So you just have to put up with me while I, while I preach this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll start in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come, to, come with excellence of speech, of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, to determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling, and my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Now I want you to see here that the same comparison is being made. Paul replaces power, the word power, for the wisdom of God. That the wisdom of God is where the power comes from. You ever hear the saying, knowledge is power? (laughs) Well, you can't walk in power unless you know how to walk in power. An example would be the old school teaching. When you go pray for someone, you just need to get out of the way. So I'm going to come, and my job is to pray for you. It's God's job to heal. So I walk up to you and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Now I have some desire because I'm doing this. You know, I'm not just watching you. I'm trying. At least I'm trying, you know. You know, so there's some desire to please God. There's some desire that there's some belief in me that says God can heal. Because I'm I'm interrupting you at the mall saying, Hey, God's gonna heal you right now. In Jesus' name, come out of that wheelchair. Glory to God. Watch everyone. God's gonna heal this person right now. And then you'll get saved. 
In Jesus' name, be healed. Okay, now, ma'am, get up and walk. Yes, you can. You just got to believe. Come on, let me, let me help you. Take my hand. We'll do it together. Up, up, come on, up, up. Everyone, pray. We're going to make her walk. Let's go. We can do it. And I'm trying to get her to walk. And my idea at the moment was, you know, I just told myself, my idea at the moment was to say, let God, God's going to show up because I did my job. I prayed and now I'm stepping out of the way and God is going to come and all his power and heal you. But nothing happened. I even used the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be healed. The blood of Jesus over you. Jehovah. I'd use all the right names. And I had to leave her in the wheelchair. Because I didn't know him. I read about him. I didn't know him because if I knew him, the power would be there. So when Paul's here says, I didn't, I didn't come in human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. He's not just talking about the wisdom of man versus the power of God. In other words, come to my church, I'll raise the dead, but I have nothing to teach because I'm dumb as a rock. Well, how did God raise the dead? Well, just angels came and dropped fairy dust down and it healed the person. I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm, I'm dumb as a rock, but I, I have the power. Power of God comes with the knowledge of God. Verse 6. However, so I said, I didn't come in human wisdom. However, verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not wisdom of the age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory. There is a spiritual wisdom from God and earthly wisdom of this earth. You have a place that holds one and a place that holds the other. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to children or babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not able. This is born-again believers. So I want you to see, the talking about the wisdom of God here. There's the wisdom of this earth, and it's not always evil. The wisdom of the earth is not always, let's go get drunk. When Paul said, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. He had to speak to them as to carnal. That didn't mean, hey, hey, bud, let's go down to the bar and get a brewski and, and go uh, hit on some girls. Speaking carnal, I've got to speak your language. Have me a cigarette so they'll accept me. Then let me smoke with you and drink with you so you can accept me in your carnal world. That's not what he's saying. The carnal language is saying, I had to speak to you to where you could understand with your natural brain because you haven't spent enough time building up your spiritual mind. I can't tell you the wisdom of God because you're immature in your spiritual knowledge because you haven't taken time to grow that knowledge. There's a place that you hold the truth of God. It's in your spiritual part of your mind, your spiritual mind. Now, it's tied right now directly 
to your natural mind. That's why it's so, you can be so bipolar sometimes. One day you're ready to take on the world, the next day you think, I'm just a loser. One day you think you got your problem solved, the next thing you find out, you don't. In our Christianese, we say, well, you're either spirit-led or soul-led. And so what do you mean by that? When you say, well, you, you mean what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be more detailed. Your soul is tied into both realms. So the proper way to say it was, yours being naturally soulish-led instead of spiritually soulish-led. Because your soul, mind, desires, and emotions are tied into both bodies. That's why when you go to heaven, you have joy, but no sadness. So when Paul says, I had to speak to you as carnal, he's saying, I had to speak to you like I had to speak to me when I speak to my dog. I had to speak to you in the human species language so you could at least understand that you're doing wrong. I couldn't yet speak to you what I know because you don't know enough. A great example would be with my last five minutes. When I go to another church that hasn't said under a thousand of Dave Roberson messages on the born again spirit. I say, praise God you're born again. See, I think differently about that than most Christians do. Because I've learned spiritual truths that I actually have a new nature. So if I go to a church, a good old-fashioned church that says things like, we're all children of God, glory to God, and we're all sinners saved by grace, trying to win the world without the power of God, when you give up on that, you start to become like the world. The carnal language that he spoke in wasn't in sinful language. Let me be like you. Someone said, well, we need to at least be like the world to, to win them, right? I said, well, you know, Jesus ministered to harlots, and he didn't have to become a uh, harlot to minister to him. You don't need to get tattoos to minister to someone with tattoos. So we're not to be like the world. There's, there's ways to make the world feel included that's important. That's what I'm trying to say. But there's ways that it's not scriptural. I'm trying to show that everyone's welcome. You're all sinners saved by grace. So if I go up in a church and say that believes we're all sinners saved by grace, we're all the same. I don't judge you. You come to church. And we want every sinner to come to church. We want them to feel safe in church. But we don't want them to feel comfortable in church. <laughs> Is that a good way of putting it? We want them feeling safe, but not comfortable. And if I went there and said, we're all saved, how many know that everyone would say, amen? How many, if I said, praise God if you're born again, everyone would say, amen. But what I meant by being born again is not what they mean by being born again. Because they don't know that they're born again. They accepted Jesus, but they think they're just signed a name to go to heaven. And every week it's erased. When they lied, when they exaggerated, when they stumbled, it got erased. When they yelled at their kids, they had their name was erased. The next Sunday, you better get born again. I used to pray, God, please, please come back on a, on a Sunday. 
You know, because there's a better chance I'll be living holy on a Sunday than if you come back on a, on a Friday. Because there's a good chance on Sunday I have a chance to repent. But I don't want you to come back before I repent because then I'm not going to go to heaven. So I would have to speak to that church that believes that we're all sinners saved by grace who have accepted Jesus but don't know what it means to be born again. Don't know they have the right right then to overcome sin. They have the right right then to believe for miracles, to believe for God. They don't know that. So if I went to teach them, I'd have to speak to them in carnal language so they could at least begin to understand the importance of what happened to them. I couldn't just say, no, you have a new nature. You know how long it took for me to even figure that out? I heard all of Dave's sermons, travel with him, preached, even preached it. Then the one day I'm sitting with him, having coffee in my car out here by his office. And he's talking. And I said, it just, all of a sudden it like went poof. And I said, Dave. I interrupted him. Dave, I have a new nature. <laughs> and he looked at me like, um, <laughs> Hello? <laughs> But see, I've seen it. I could see it. That tells you that there's so much religious garbage on top of the message of transformation because the devil's trying to hide that message from the church to keep us carnally serving God and not allowing us. Because what he's afraid of is not your joy, not your peace, not your love, not your group, what you can do together as a group, how you can touch the city, feed the city, do all those things. He's not afraid of that. He's afraid of the love of Jesus showing up in someone. He's afraid of the peace of Jesus showing up in someone. He's afraid of the knowledge of God that has power showing up in someone because he cannot stop it. He has no defenses against it. I'm going to give one more verse and then I'll, I'll finish. I was planning on giving you a whole bunch more. But. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read chapter 2. You turn to chapter 14, I'm going to read chapter 2. Verse 6, chapter 2. However, we speak wisdom among those. So he says that we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. So we do talk, we have some great things to talk about, but I can only talk to it to those who are mature. Now I want you to look over in in 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read verse 20 and 21. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be men or mature. That means full grown. So an understanding, this understanding is not an understanding of how to be a good parent. This understanding is get the wisdom of God into you, into your spiritual man, and make your outward man bow its knee to it. Because God can't speak to your outward man unless he speaks real slow. Because it's not the same species. 
He speaks to your spiritual man, your inner man. And then he says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. The whole chapter 14 is talking about how praying in tongues helps you to learn who you are and who God is in your life, to have access to the wisdom and power of God. Where does that knowledge lie? In your spiritual mind. That's what you can hold it. You can hold right now the very truths of God. I'm going to close right there. And God bless you. Thanks for putting up with me. We'll see you in at 10 o'clock.